Welcome to the Exploring Washington State podcast. Here's your host, Scott Cowan. Hey, everybody. Scott Cowan here again, your host at the Exploring Washington State podcast. Thanks again for tuning in. Uh, Today's episode is a conversation I had recently with Stephanie Ann Johnson. Wow. Power, energy, enthusiasm, spirit. These things come shining through in this conversation. I am very lucky that I got to have this time and interview with Stephanie Ann Johnson. I'm going to be quiet. I'm going to ask you to listen. You're going to love it. Leave some feedback, subscribe, enjoy, and we'll see you soon. So Stephanie Ann Johnson, welcome to the show. I really appreciate you making the time to be here today. Um, thanks for yeah, Thanks for being here. <laughs> Most definitely. It's good to be here talking to you. It's good to talk to anybody, really. (laughs) I would love it if you would take a few minutes and kind of tell us, well, what I'm going to say what I know about you, and then I'm going to ask you to fill in the many, many, many holes that are in my my knowledge bank of you. You appeared on The Voice. I'd love to hear how you, how you, what that journey was like to go there. You also sang on a cruise ship and you grew up in Tacoma. How did music, how did music get into your life? How did it, cause it seems very obvious to me that it's a huge part of you. Yeah. Music got into my life a couple of ways, which is I'm very, very grateful for. Um, number one, uh, my family really encouraged my, uh, musical interest, um, And number two, I was going to public schools and I started when I was in the eighth grade, I started taking a voice lesson from uh, the music teacher, Miss Gandulia. Oh, yeah. Um, (laughs) And she was the like white teacher at that at the time, majority black um, Jason Lee. And she would stand up in front of us and say, look, I may be white and I may be ugly, but I'm here to teach you about this music. We're going to get into it. Measure 36. It was very cool. <laughs> she, That's awesome. <laughs> she was a no-nonsense non- type of human, and I loved being in her class. Um, then in high school, I started studying classical voice with uh, the teacher, then Mr. Trumbanus. Um, And so he was the one that uh, told me I should go look for Carmen. And so I went to the public library, the main library in downtown Tacoma with my disc man. And I found <laughs> a recording of Carmen. I don't remember which orchestra or opera house, but I do remember sitting on the floor and putting that CD into my disc man and trying to understand. Right. Like I, I feel like I was doing the same thing with some rock and roll, uh, you know, on, um, uh, you know, two years later, I would do the same thing with The Color and the Shape by Dave Grohl. I, you know, the Foo Fighters. I would put that disc in my disc man and try to understand what is happening. This is an explosion <laughs> of sound. What is happening? What do I like about all of this? Um, and then also when I turned 14, I got my very first guitar. Um, before uh-huh. that, uh, two years before that, I was in a production of, because uh, musical theater was also a part of my life. I was in a production of, oh gosh, The Sound of Music. And very weirdly, I played Maria. Very weirdly. I think it was because I was tall. (laughs) And uh, I had a prop that was a classical guitar. And I remember like backstage looking at it thinking like, this is a majestic thing. 
how do I make this thing talk to me? Right. Um, so yeah, two years later, I got my very first guitar because I begged my mom for a year. My mom was like, look, we got this piano. We got this flute. <laughs> we got these tap shoes in this house. <laughs> this, is your, this is your last thing. Okay. <laughs> um, and it's the, it's the one that I, you know, have stuck with that I've gone back to. Um, so there was a lot of, there was a lot of that kind of music. Then I went to PLU, studied voice. Um, one of the folks that I sang with in the choir at PLU had put together a quartet, uh, a, a barbershop quartet and was working on cruise ships. So they said, Stephanie, Stephanie, the dude playing guitar on our ship, like he's no better than you. Like, come on, we got to get you this job. So they made a recording of me playing guitar, sitting on the floor in their apartment in, uh, in Tacoma, right across from Wright's Park. And, uh, uh, oh, in the brick build, the red brick building. Uh huh. Uh, yeah. I used to live it, in that building. Yep. They went to the stadium. We lived there. Yep. Um, it's a cool building. It's a great building. <laughs> um, the high ceilings and the arches, very nice. Um, yeah. but yeah, made a video in that building and that's how I got on the cruise ships. And then the cruise ships, I was playing in the lounge, this, uh, guitar player, Chris, Vasquez, he had a friend who was in the voice who had done the voice. And he said, well, I mean, like, let's get you on. He took a video of me playing in the lounge, sent it to his connections. I got an email a couple of weeks later being like, okay, well, did you want to come to New York or Los Angeles or Atlanta to do this audition? And I was like, well, uh, LA's closest. Let's go. Uh, so, so then I, I went and, audition for the voice. I, I need you to know that there was like maybe a three week turnaround from the time that I got off a cruise ship that I went to my first voice audition. I didn't give myself any time to rebound or recoil or recenter or rest or anything. I just picked myself up and went running at the next challenge. And, uh, that's not the way people that's not the way (laughs) (laughs) i don't know see i think okay first off i have no i have no musical talent uh, zero um i i but i think i if i didn't do it that way i'd get in my head and i i'd find a way of backing out if i gave myself some runway i think i think i'd have done it that way too just like go run run towards it not not think about it that'd be for me well, you know, I feel you, but but uh, there's a line in, in one of the songs from uh, my band's record. It's called Take This Love. And uh, the song is making love ain't the same as it used to be. And uh, in the second verse, I say, when you're rolling around, you don't quite notice where you stand. And okay. when you're rolling around and running around the world like that without paying any credence to looking at yourself and saying, well, who am I? Where do I stand? What do I want? What makes me feel good? Not knowing where you stand means not having all the right information. Not having all the right information means you can't make all the right decisions. So it's important <laughs> to stay, ah, good, stay in touch with self. Oh, yes. Thank you. I appreciate good point. that. Good, good points. So, okay. So you get off the cruise ship. Mm-hmm. Three weeks later, you're doing your your the voice. Addition. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What was that experience like? What's it like being on a show like that on TV? I mean, is it, I mean, for those of us that have never 
been on a show like that. I'm going to guess it's glamorous a hundred percent of the time. No, I'm just kidding. I, I bet it's a lot of hard work. And you know, what was some of the takeaways you got from, from performing on the voice? Here is the distinct difference that I have found between doing theater and doing television in theater. They tell you, boo, this wall is fake. You're going to hit it at this time and it's going to fall and it's queued up to this light lighting. So you have to be standing here to hit this wall, to hit this lighting, to hit these, these uh, 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 words. Here's the script. Here's your lines. They tell you, right. It's prepared for TV. Everything's fake and no one tells you. So it's, it's really all about making sure that you are secure in yourself and who you are. But I didn't know that. So it was a mess for me. It was very hard. Um, okay. The floor lights up, the chairs turn. Uh, there's a, one of the things that made me calm though, uh, going into the, uh, we were on the, I can't remember which lot we were on in Studio City. Um, but it, it was very cool to go inside this huge, this huge building with these like huge air conditioners that are, you know, the size of three people standing on each other's shoulders and such, just huge, everything, huge, crazy, lots of curtains and such. And I looked up at the ceiling and the ceiling was like a, a it was like a grid, right? Mm-hmm. Like a wooden grid. And I'm like, oh, I'm just in a really big theater. I mean, a soundstage really is a really big theater, right? Okay. Um, so it's just, it's a different, it's a different kind of acting, um, acting okay. for camera versus acting for an audience. And with the okay. voice, they try to blend it so that there, there are people, there are people there, there are, is an audience there, but really you look into that camera and there's 15 million people in there, man. 15 million people. That's, that's wild. You know, it's mind boggling. I can't fathom 15 million people. I really can't. I don't know what that looks like. Um, I've got no clue. <laughs> it, it's a, it's, it, it is a mass of humanity. God bless yes. it for better or for worse. Um, that's more than every single person in New York city. I mean, when you think about it, I mean, that's, that's crazy. Yes, okay. it, it was. That's crazy. You know, the long and the short of it is the voice for me was wild. It was a wild time. And I just don't, I don't recommend it for artists. I really think that one of the beautiful things that I have found outside the voice, really immersing myself in some musical communities is, you know, we've got to work together. Uh, We've got to collaborate. We've got to do songwriting sessions together. There's things that we can learn from each other if we're willing to both have our own light on to shine for the world and be aware of the the, the ambient light of others. Okay. Mm-hmm. So after The Voice, did you come back to Tacoma? Back to Tacoma immediately. immediately. And what were you doing then? Um, I was not prepared for what fame was going to be like. Okay. Because I came back to Tacoma and everyone that had ever known me at any time in my life was aware of me and wanted to talk to me. 
and I got stopped oh. at the bank and I got stopped at the grocery store and I got stopped pumping gas and I got stopped in the mall and I wasn't prepared for how to deal with other people's feelings about me, how to deal with other people wanting to tell me all the time how proud they are of me and what I do. Um, loving is really not for the faint of heart. So I wasn't prepared to receive the amount of love that Tacoma had for me. And it really has been uh, a learning curve for me to fully take in and receive the love that others have for what it is that I do. Um, uh, I started doing some music with, um, some Seattle cats, uh, a guy named Robin Moxie and I, we started doing some music together. We put together a band. Um, that band came apart. I started doing some more musical theater. I worked with, ooh, it's now called Arts Live in Tacoma, um, mm-hmm. but got to do a production of Ain't Misbehaving, which was really great. Um, then I went down to Oregon and was in the, worked with the Oregon Shakespeare Festival. I was oh, wow. in their uh, the first all black show that they did in the outside Elizabethan stage was uh, the whiz. And I was one of the pit singers for that. I was also in the okay. tale um, that ended. I came back to Washington state from Oregon and this is the Genesis of the high dogs. Uh, Jesse Turcott, a uh, bass player, songwriter, arranger, um, his company is emergency Bandcast system and they do all of my audio visual, um, all of my streaming and such. And he oh, okay. started sending me messages in October when I was set to come back, uh, in November, he started sending me messages saying, Oh, you come back to Tacoma. Let's do this music. Let's get together. Um, and really it just started a really beautiful, like artistic friendship that, became the high dogs. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Well, let's, let's talk about the high dogs. How, for somebody who hasn't heard them, how would you describe them? And because of this weird time that we're all living in, what are you guys doing now? Okay. So <laughs> the high dogs, H I D O G S. We want you to feel elevated. We want to bring you up. We want to make you feel good. We want to release all those incredible feelings, the good feelings that you have inside your body. We want to release those, get those out into the air. Um, so the music that we play, it's, there's a little bit of rock. There's a little bit of country. There's a little bit of folk. There's a little bit of soul. And to me, it all is Americana. It sounds like us when we get together. I personally Mm -hmm. believe that the best thing about American music is the swirl, is the ability of white folks and black folks to get together and share musical ideas. Every artist on that song, Respect by Aretha Franklin, besides her, is white. That's Muscle Shoals. The Swampers are behind her on that track. And if you listen to the track without the vocal, Oh, it just sounds like some country pickers, doesn't it? So doesn't it stand to reason 
that if I could put the soul of my voice next to somebody's slide guitar, next to somebody's pedal steel, I mean, we're still making soul music, right? Because the vocal is out front, but there's some country on it and there's some rock and roll on it because me personally, I like that. I need that, that the edge of rock and roll, the edge of, uh, country man i like i like a little cutesiness um good lord i love a sad song so you know i love that dolly parton (laughs) (laughs) i love it you know what's funny is you you bring up aretha franklin and and respect and i had never thought of it like that and it's so obvious when you say it it's kind of i'm i'm embarrassed to be saying what I'm saying. It just, but it's so obvious, but I had never connected those dots. That's why so Thank you. you're very, very welcome. <laughs> I really feel like music appreciation is a part of anti-racist teaching. If we start talking about the artists in America that, uh, that have received the presidential honors that have played the Kennedy center that have, you know, spent 20 years, 30 years, 40 years touring, making music. These are our modern icons. Um, uh, and and uh, in 2020, early in 2020, before the shutdown, with this wonderful friend of mine, Dan Tyak on Pedal Steel, we were able to open for Mavis Staples. And let me tell you, being, being in side stage, like being able to watch her work from side stage, I just, it's, it's incredible. It's beautiful uh, to go ahead and watch a master at work, to go ahead and watch somebody, you know, who, who, (laughs) uh, you know, supposedly, uh, oh gosh, what's his name? Come to my mind. Uh, He's a, 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 ooh, folk singer number one, Bob Dylan. Bob Dylan proposed to that woman and she said no. My goodness. What? Yeah. Oh yeah. Like the the <laughs> the lore, yes. you know, the musical lore. Um also that that gives me hope uh uh Mavis Staples being black and femme and never married and doesn't have any children. And it's like okay, so I could live my whole life musically and not do those things and still be okay. Wow. Yeah. That's that's pretty awesome. I don't I don't hear that message enough. Um So let me ask you something. Let me go back. I would like to ask you something. So you were on the side stage watching this legend perform and she's well, I think she's in her 80s if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So she's still performing in her 80s which is awesome. Yeah. But what what did you what was a takeaway that you got from watching her? You called her a master. What can, can you tell us one thing that you observed that was like, wow, that's so powerful. She talked to the audience like those people mattered. Okay. She talked to the audience right. like those people mattered. They came out, they paid their money. They didn't have to, you know, I had the, uh, my current boss, uh, this woman named Carol Handley. Uh, she's my boss over at K and KX for the radio show. Okay. She said to me, this was years ago, uh, I was being flip about talking to the audience. And she said, you know, people come out and they pay, say they pay $20 for ticket. 
Okay. So they pay $20 for a ticket. Then, you know, they got a babysitter for their kids. So that's another, what, $120, something like that. Came out here, paid parking. That's another $20. Came out here and paid for drinks and dinner. That's another $100, $150. They did all that just to come see you. I want you to think about that. And knowing that, knowing that people, people who go ahead and make $11 an hour doing whatever job they do still find it in their heart to buy my CD that my band and I made for $10 for $20. That's, that's hours of their life that they're willing to give me. And I, I could never be, I could never express my gratitude enough. So yeah, talking to the audience, like those people matter. Yes. That's a, that's a great story. That's a great lesson. So let's keep going on the high dog. So you, you and, and Jesse met mm-hmm. and then how did the band evolve to where it's at now? You know, that's a very interesting story, which is great. So me and Jesse met and started putting the band together. He welcomed in, we, we welcomed in, uh, uh, Jordani Surreal to play some some keys for us on a couple of the tunes. We had uh, Dan Tyak to come in and play uh, pedal steel and sometimes Dobro on some of the tunes. And then we had Ivan Gunderson uh, to come in and play drums. Very talented drummer. Very talented young man. Um, so we lost Jordani. I think it was like 20... 18, 2019, she went on to do her own stuff. She's got a great band, Jordani and the Sun Kings, wonderful group. Um, and it became just the four of us, myself, Jesse, Dan Tyak, Ivan Gunderson. So the shutdown happens and Ivan decided to split because he really just wanted to be with his girlfriend and have his job and, you know, play in bands that were maybe not as serious as ours Um, because, you know, we're going places, we're doing things. Um, We're not going to, we're not going to be a bar band for absolutely ever. Um, That's not the plan. Uh, (laughs) So we lost Ivan uh, and then we gained a young man named Arturo Ortega. I always get afraid that I'm going to forget his name, Uh, (laughs) uh, but he's a really great drummer, worked with Jenny Lewis for a couple of years and we saw him uh, two years ago at this point. He was playing with Brett Benton, opening for us at, oh gosh, great place in Olympia to play. And I know the owner too, the Rhythm and Rye. That's the name of the place. In Rhythm, Rhythm, Rhythm and Rye. Rhythm and Rye yeah, okay. The R&R, yeah. And yeah. Uh, I've developed a sense for you know, looking at the audience and also looking at like various people in the music industry. And I can look out sometimes and see that people want to be in business with me in some way. And that young okay. man, Arturo, he looked at me just like that from the audience. I remember looking at his face and he was like, I could see on his face that he wanted to be a part of it. So when Ivan left, he joined our group, which was great. Uh, then, uh, the summer of 2020, the summer of the great shaking of, uh, uh, (laughs) black lives matter protests on every corner, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, thousands of protests across the United States and globally. Um, all of that was happening. 
uh, Dan Tyak, our uh, uh, 66-year-old pedal steel player, found himself a beautiful young lady who lives in California and decided, okay, well, I'm getting married and I will see you guys later. So <laughs> he met this met this gal. I met her once too. Uh, she came with us to a gig out on Vashon. Liga is her name. Very nice lady. Um, so yeah, he, he left the group and then there were three. Um, so right now the lineup of the band is myself and Jesse and Arturo and, and, you know, when Dan left us, he, he wrote us a very long, very passionate, very heartfelt letter talking about, uh, leaving the group. And he really did predict that, uh, the places, you know, this band is going you know, they're, they're, we're going crazy places and, and he, you know, doesn't want to impede that in any way. Um, and I love that. That's a great gift uh, to give as you're parting to let somebody know, Hey, I think you're going places I can't go, but God bless you on the journey. Right. That's a, that's a, a wonderful uh, way to leave a room. Uh, yeah. So now I'm back to playing a little more electric guitar. Um I'm playing now because uh, uh, Take This Love is all uh, I'm playing acoustic guitar on that. I'm playing a Taylor. I have since bought myself a uh, like a two thousand uh, dollar breed love because I, this is my job. I deserve fancy tools. <laughs> I, I, I had to talk myself into it, but I did it. <laughs> um, and uh, so, yeah, I'm back to playing a little more electric guitar. and. Uh, just growing what my hands can do, um, growing more what they feel comfortable doing. We are still working with a whole bunch of different guitar players um, to to try and, and see who would be next to um, be in the solo chair for the high dogs. We're still working on it. Um, check out live concert stream coming up here over the next couple of uh, months. Uh, over uh, February and March and April, uh, we're going to be doing some uh, some some duo sets with them with some of Seattle's absolute best guitar players. Kathy Moore is going to come through. We got R.L. Heyer who's going to come through. Jeff Fielder is going to come through. Um, out of Tacoma, we're going to have Rod Cook come through. Wonderful player. Um a uh, new cat, a uh, 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 23-year-old guitar player, very talented cat named Anand Landon is going to come through. We work together a little bit. Uh, he is an incredible guitar player, so he gives me a little lesson about guitaring. We talk about music. <laughs> we do some duo stuff. I give him a little uh, talk about vocalizing. A lot of folks are afraid to sing, man, and I got to tell you, Breathe deeply, find some peace in your heart, and you got to let it out. Um, singing is good for us. Silence is also good, but it is a learned behavior. We are born with our bodies reacting to the shock of air hitting our lungs. We are born crying out. And so I really just challenge you all, uh, wherever you are, <laughs> oh, please sing, sing in your car, sing in the shower, sing with your kids, sing with your elders. It's good for us. It's important. Our songs are important. All right. <laughs> wow. Th- wow. Thank you for letting me preach. I appreciate you. <laughs> oh, 
Oh, that was wonderful. <laughs> yeah. So, wow. Okay. So you, there's so much that I got to ask now. So first off, we're going to put a pin in it, but we're going to talk about KNKX. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. We'll come back to that. Yes. Um, you are releasing a new video. Well, by the time that this is for the public, the video will be released. Mm-hmm. What can you tell us about it? Okay. So the song is called Gasho G. And I'm really, I love the way that this song has evolved because I was writing the song with the high dogs. We were together at a rehearsal, pardon me, um, in in Jesse Turcott's house over there uh, in ooh, Fircrest, for folks that, that know, he used to live out there in Fircrest. And uh, I was thinking about, you know, a song about a person walking along somewhere with their dog, you know, uh, just walking through life, you know, what, what is that like? Um, and sure, there may have been a young man involved at the time, but you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> but you know, this idea, this, uh, the beautiful, um, vulnerability of saying to someone, even your dog, Hey, come on, walk a little ways with me. You know, I don't like to be alone. Um, I think that's sweet. I think that's, cutesy but i think that the way that we do it uh there's balance between the sweet okay. and the cutesy uh so the video uh is starring wheezy who is jesse turcott's dog and kind of his avatar god bless it um <laughs> and uh we are down there uh ooh, in that like titlow area That's, okay so online there's this like YouTube and it says premiere, you know, and the, there's the, the, the thumbnail. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that looks like the train area of Titlow beach. Yep, It's the train area of okay. Titlow beach and okay. uh, walking along down there with his dog, uh, Jesse Turcott filmed it, uh, on like on with a gimbal on, uh, on a Google pixel. Like just, we did this on a cell phone and part wow. of, part of the reason to do it that way, I feel is that, you know, not every shoe in my closet is a fancy shoe. Some of them working boots, some of them hiking boots, but it's a nice collection, right? Uh, so not every video, you know, necessarily like needs to be blockbuster because sometimes you just have to tell the story, right? Um, okay. We had it edited by this wonderful uh, bass player and he does uh, the videos for his band. Uh, they're called Fruition um, and they're charting and they're absolutely fabulous. And we love having those folks in our uh, musical family. Jeff Leonard is the, is the name of that fella. He cut all the scenes together for us and synced it to, okay. uh, to the music. Um, so in the video, really just walking along with a dog, thinking about life. Um, and I really feel like, uh, you know, folks love dogs uh, uh, across, <laughs> across racial divides. People love Absolutely. animals. They love their pets. Mm-hmm. They love their dogs, like to dress them up in little costumes or whatever else. Um, get them little treats and Christmas presents and, and birthday bones and all the stuff. Cause it's really, it's fun to be excited about someone who is uh, simple in that way, who can be happy if you scratch their belly and, and throw them a treat because well, they're un- it's unconditional. 
Yeah. It's unconditional. That's right. And human beings, you know, you can't scratch everybody's belly. It's not like that. No. <laughs> no, we're fairly conditional. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately. Um, so yeah, we had a really fun day of filming. Um, I wore my like happy green boots that I got from uh ooh, uh eBay. I got them from. I love the secondhand clothes, man. Secondhand clothes are really the way to go. Um so yeah, it was great walking along on one of my favorite places, climbing up on the train a little bit. Uh, you can see the narrowest bridges there in the background. And I just, I wanted us as a band, when we put out videos, I really wanted us to look like ourselves. Uh, okay. Cause you know, we're not, I'm not, I'm not fancy and I'm not putting on airs for you, you know, <laughs> I, I, you know, that that's also the, the country edge. The thing about country music is you need, three chords and the truth. And, uh, I try to bring that to my music. Okay. I'm looking forward to watching that video. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Now is that, is that part of a, a, an upcoming album? Is it, is it just a standalone piece? What's, what's the plan? So what happened in 2018, uh, the high dogs and I, when it was Jesse, myself, Dan Tyak and Ivan Gunderson, we went into Litho Studios there in Seattle. Uh, that's that's uh, owned by uh, Stone Gossard from the Pearl Jam, and the okay. like. The gold record from like Soundgarden is on the wall, and it's just like, oh my god! It's it's. I love the, I love the building, and uh, we had Floyd Wrightsma <laughs> uh, engineering, and uh, you know, if you ask me, like he he also helped us arrange that record. Uh, we used a lot okay. of his feedback, really. Um, okay. But in that session, in two days, we got 23 songs cut. Why only 23? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you were the first person to say that. Because <laughs> everybody else is like, why? There's so many. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a lot. That's a lot of songs. <laughs> so part of the reason we did so many is so that we would have the ability to just look through and say, okay, well, what do we want to put out? You know? Okay. What do we want to put on this first record? So we put on Take This Love. That came out. Then uh, that was 2019. Uh, I think it was the summer before that uh, Ashland by Morning came out, which was, uh, I think, five or six tracks of just Dan and I together. And I think you can get that on. It's not on the Spotify, but I believe it is on the band camp. Um, okay. And then, you know, with Dan leaving the band, uh, Dan's on all those tracks, you know, cause he was with us for that recording day. So we really just had to blow out the rest of these tracks so that we can get into the studio and, and, you know, make new things. Uh, cause there's all kinds of new songs. Um, just to toot my own horn for just a little second to toot. Um, I'm somewhat prolific and I write, uh, I write a fair amount. Um, okay. So, there are so many songs to sift through because oftentimes I write the song, I record it on my phone and then I forget about it and leave it for months and months. And when I'm feeling bad about myself, I go back and look through what past me has put out and, uh, you know, either I tweak it and say, oh, this is good now. I did that the other day with this song, new song called Catch a Fire. Mm. 
Uh, <laughs> but like sometimes I have to let songs marinate and leave them alone. Um, I also think it's very important to have that like list of of prior pieces and inventions to go back and sort through. Um, because as a songwriter, I don't only need my ability to write. I need my ability to edit and I need okay. my ability to figure out, well, does this taste good or not? You know, because if it doesn't taste good, let's leave it alone. But if it tastes good, oh, well, let's write it and see what's in there, you know. Um, so, yeah, it's it's being self-critical in a constructive way. Mm-hmm. So that's why we're putting out all these singles. Now, hopefully in the future, I'm going to cross my fingers about it. And I'm, I'm putting this out into the universe because I have high hopes for myself and this band. Hopefully what we would really like to do um, maybe in the next two years is do uh, a double vinyl release of all the litho sessions um, oh. so that folks could hear all those songs all together. Um, Cause that was an incredible time in my life, an incredible journey. Um, I remember the shirt that I wore and the hat that I wore to be in the studio um, on both of those days. And I remember just feeling so on fire um, in in the best possible way. Uh, so yeah, I, ooh, I absolutely love all that music. Um, and I can't wait to, uh, I can't wait for y'all to hear all these songs. Uh, Cause to me, they're like, kind of like my children. Um, okay. They're going to live on in the world after I'm gone, you know, Lord willing. And, uh, um, also they're from me, but they're not me. So how they exist in the world, you know, is up to me, but like only for a while. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So do you guys, are you working? You mentioned maybe going into the studio. Is, is that kind of on the, on the horizon is, is. An- yes. Uh, unequivocally. I mean, yes. It's on the horizon, but. Okay. We are, like I said, we're working with a whole bunch of guitar players to see who mm-hmm. might be interested in the chair. Um, but we're also refining the tunes. Um, we're refining our our new sound because how we sound mm-hmm. now is not how we sounded before. Right? Okay. So this is about uh, evolution. This is about mm-hmm. timing. This is about finding the right people to work on the record. Um. Yeah, it's 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 very interesting. Uh in the past, uh I think it was around the start of the quarantine, the band and I received a um a grant from uh Black Frat. Uh, they're a group that that are uh usually out of Austin, but they're they're also in Seattle and they give music they give money to uh working musicians, not unlike myself. So hoping to use some of that grant money and some of the funds that we make selling merch and t-shirts and such um, mm-hmm. to get into the studio. Me, I don't mind investing my money in my band because I, I love, I love them. I love them. <laughs> I, I love them wildly. Um, I love them so much. I, I realize that, and this is in, again, another of the songs 
three chords and the truth. Uh, the song is called <laughs> Apology. And in the third verse, I say, the best gift I can give to you is a version of me that ain't so black and blue. So I love this band enough to take care of myself, to take better care of myself than I ever have. Because I want, right. I want to be around to do this music with them. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so one of the things that we always try to ask our guests, especially in the, on the music episodes, I'll ask you the, the first one. Now we're going to keep it to Washington state. I'm going to give you, give you this question two different ways up. I'm going to add the first one's going to be Washington state. Okay. So in all your years of performing, where was the coolest venue you performed at? And it could be in theater. It, it, you could tell me when you were at Jason Lee, the auditorium, I don't care. It's what is the coolest venue you've ever performed at in Washington state? I got to give it to the tractor tavern. I love 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 that place. I, I remember seeing shows there when I was a younger person. And then I remember one of the first times I played there was with, uh, oh gosh, this Irish uh, blues player named JP and uh, that Whitney Mange, another one of Seattle's favorites. And I just remember, you know, walking up and down that street and seeing that poster, you know, that had my name on it for playing the Tractor Tavern. And I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I love it. I love the Tractor. That, that, I mean, that is my room. I love that place. February. I want to believe that it was the eighth. It might have been of of 2020. The band and I were opening for. Might have been October though. I really have a bad, bad, <laughs> bad grasp of time. <laughs> but anyway, we were opening for Black Joe Lewis and the Honey Bears. And okay. we had played our whole set and it was great. And we had the whole audience with us and it was great. And uh, the way that the set ended, you know, the music was coming to a close. And I said, Thank you, Seattle. Good night. And then the last chord hit. And it's like, who am I? Like, this is my life. This is my dope ass life right now. Like, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> the Tractor Tavern, the Tractor Tavern, man. It's, it's wonderful people. <laughs> uh, yeah, I love, I've, I've seen some great acts in the Tractor Tavern. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, oh yeah. I, I can't, I, that's, that is the place I'm looking forward to going back to yes, sir. as soon as possible. Oh yes. All right. So part two of the question. Where's the coolest place you've ever played anywhere? Hmm. That's a really wonderful question because I, I personally believe, and I think this is why I, I'm continuing to be successful with the streaming. No matter who's in the audience. And this is another thing that I learned on the cruise ship. No matter who's in the audience, if it's one little sweet old lady or 35 people, or a thousand people, they need to get the show and they need okay. to feel the show and the, and the show for a thousand people. When I bring that show to just one person, it needs to hit the same. Right. Okay. So, <laughs> so I have a hard time saying, you know, my favorite place I've ever performed because I, you know, because every place I've ever performed is a church. Every place I've okay. ever performed is holy. 
to me at least. Okay. I felt the spirit. All right. Yeah. Um, I guess so how about- if I had to say though, one of my favorite performances I've ever given was okay. the time that I got to sing The Weight with uh, Aretha Franklin's version of The Weight, The Year She Died with the musicians from the Seattle Tribute to the Last Waltz. And I didn't learn about the Last Waltz until I met these musicians. And suddenly here was a whole new world of music for me to explore and love and a whole new world of musicians for me to connect with and love. And I was so worried, you know, before this performance, because they had asked me, I think at the end of September, you know, would you sing Aretha Franklin's version of The Weight? And I listened to the song and I said, yes. And then I was like driving to Canada to do some show and I, you know, it was three, four hour drive. And I put that song on repeat. Uh, I think I took my mom's car too, but I put that song on repeat and I learned that I learned her vocal as best I could. And, uh, and it was hard. I had to, (laughs) I had to build into my voice, the ability to, you know, do my best impression of me uh, paying homage to Aretha. And at that performance, it could be because I didn't eat a great deal beforehand. It could be because I had smoked a little bit of weed and there was uh, (laughs) some whiskey in my body at the time. It could be. (laughs) But during that performance, I started singing that song and I blacked out. I don't remember that performance. But when it was over, I looked out into the space above people's heads in the lights and I could see the atoms splitting. It was a wonderful, like, I I had arrived at heaven and couldn't remember the car ride there. And then the write-up that I got said exactly that. It said, the person had been in the audience and said they could see the atoms splitting. Wow. And so I was like, so what you're, so what that moment taught me is that we can all collectively have similar experiences at the same event. Um, We can, we can all feel those, those shivers all at once. And there's immense power. And for me, immense spirituality in that. Um, One of the philosophies I think about as a musician is when I sing, I'm in touch with the divine, right? Or uh, for folks that aren't spiritual, my faith in myself, right? So I have that connection. Then I'm connected to the musicians around me, right? I'm in conversation and connection with them. And then I'm also in connection and conversation with the canon, with all the people before me that do this job. At least I like to think about Mm -hmm. it that way. And then lastly, but not leastly, I'm in connection with this audience and who they are and what they want. And the fact that they're willing to sit and stop what they're doing and focus on me for a minute. In a world where everybody's on their phone, everybody's doing a million things, everybody's going a million places, everybody's wearing 18 hats. 
because of economic injustice. And yet people are willing to celebrate me and the music I love to make with people I love to make it with. It's, it's unbelievably humbling. Uh, unbelievably. Wow. <laughs> so I'm going to bounce that back to you because I'm, I would like to hear your take on this. So you just recently performed at the season's performance hall in Yakima. Yes. Oh yes. You, you, you did a stream, a live yes. stream. You didn't have the audience. Correct. Then. So as a performer, how, how different is that for you? What, what, what works? I, I'm going to guess that not everything works in that environment now. What works? Because I think I think musicians are trying to find ways to play, trying to perf- find ways to perform, trying to ways to make a living doing what they're supposed to be doing, and that connection between performer and audience is currently severed. Just, just was a couple of nights ago, basically, wasn't mm-hmm. it? Was it last you, Thursday? You, you performed. So, mm-hmm. so this is okay. So, less than a week ago at the time of this recording, can you share with us what that event was like for you as a performer? Okay. So, the day before, and we talked about this in the car because, because, uh, uh, Jesse and I, uh, Jesse Turcott and I, we drove up to North Bend and then joined Arturo and went over to Yakima together. And I'm very blessed that the boys uh, were very uh, on top of both planning the travel uh, and executing the travel. I never drove. God bless it. I love to drive, but I didn't drive. And um, and also a lot of the heavy lifting of the gear, they were really willing to help with that. So I didn't have to lift too many heavy things too many times, which is great. Um, all three of us in the car, we were so excited. We were, so, we were, we were, all of us were geeked. Nobody slept the night before. We were just like, oh, we're going on a road trip to a gig. We're actually, you know, so, so, so number one, we were already geeked. <laughs> we, okay. were, all right. we were already ready. We were already just very <laughs> excited to go do this. Um, number two, you know, arriving at the venue. The crew was there. There was a a group of people doing the recording. There was a group of people doing the sound. Um, So there were, including us, like less than 10 people in the building. And everybody was still sweet to us. Um, Sound check lasted a good long time. Uh, We were able to jam a little bit, uh, you know, with all of the, with all of our big gear, you know, because... Singing in a in a room like the room I'm in right now. I mean, this is a, a room in my house. Um, I want to be considerate. I don't want to hulk anybody out with, uh, you know, my uh, my loud uh, screaming. <laughs> yes. Um, so being in a hall where this is expected, and I get to make the big noise, like <laughs> it's, it's just so exciting. Uh, so number one, it's exciting. Number two, it's exciting. Number three, this is the faith part, right? This is the faith part. I have faith that people listen. I have faith that people tune in. I have faith that people watch it. It's a, 
you know, field of dreams type of a situation. If you build it, they will come. So I'm trying to build uh, in myself a musician that other musicians will want to work with and follow and respect. Building that uh, person is important to me. And and it has uh, been lucrative. Hallelujah. Uh, the second thing to build is the camaraderie and the really the trust with your bandmates. So, you know, uh, what is it? You know, I promise not to be funny with money. I I promise to, you know, uh, to rehearse before rehearsal. I, you know, I promise to, you know, get out on stage and do what we did in rehearsal and not throw too many curveballs at y'all. I love a curveball, but the boys I'm working with right now, not so, not so, mm-hmm. not so geeked about curveballs. And I understand that. Okay. And so we work with that. It's a flexible thing. Um, so, so yeah, number one, I'm excited. Number two, I'm excited. Number three, I have faith. So, okay. yeah. So how, how was it? I mean, the whole, the whole aspect of it, did it, did it, did it go flawlessly or was it, was it, what's it like? It was radical. It was, it was radical. I had such a good time. Uh, 10 out of 10 would recommend 10 out of 10 okay. would play, would play again. Um, everybody was sweet. We got fed, we got paid on time. Uh, the tips were really good. Um, big shout out to Cody Beebe, uh, cause his, his company Chinook Fest, uh, does, uh, uh sponsor some of that. Um, I love that Cody Beebe, um, met him a couple of years ago, actually through a voice connection because, his band, the Crooks, sometimes back up Austin Jenks when he comes through. And Austin Jenks was on my season of The Voice, and he's a, a Nashville human, but he's from Duval. So uh, oh, uh, okay. when we perform together, we are Washington's finest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's we, we you you mentioned your your quote unquote job, and you are now working on the, at the radio station. Yes. Um, my radio job is through KNKX, uh, and Carol Handley is my boss. The same lady, uh, who, you know, gave me that wonderful talk about what people pay for music, um, and what it really costs. Um, uh, I remember saying to her at that time that I wanted to be on the radio. Right. Because I wanted everything. Okay. I want to be on the radio. I want to have a TV show. I want to play music with my band and travel <laughs> everywhere. You know, I'm I'm in my 20s, like, yeah. And I want to, you know, <laughs> like saying everything with no filter. And, you know, uh seven, eight years later, this lady, you know, sends me a, a email or a text message or something and says, Hey, do you want to be on the radio? You want to work on this new radio show with me? And so we put in like maybe she put in like maybe six months of uh, helping to train me up about what it is to be a radio broadcaster. What, what, so, so how fortified I have to be as a human, the research involved. Right. And then how I, uh, uh, she calls it cumulative impression. Right. So people's impression of me over time. Right. 
So if if okay. I am pleasant and I tell a joke every now and again and it's funny and fun, people think it's funny and fun. If I'm forcing the joke every time, right? It's less fun for people. And if I'm going to stop the music, <laughs> right? If I'm going to stop the music, I want to say something important, right? Um, so the show is called The Grooveyard. It's Saturdays from 1 to 4 on KNKX, formerly KPLU, um, my alma mater, PLU. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's a new world for me. It's an, It's new connections. Uh, we were able to do this past Monday, um, or uh, Monday the 1st, I should say, we got John Kessler to come on. Uh, and we did a hybrid of playing some blues covers and some originals, and then just talking about blues in the breaks. So we did like sets of three tunes and then a little talk, a little conversation. Oh. And it really, I mean, it went over well. We made really good tips that night. Um Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, just trying to, to broaden and broaden what I do and grow so that people that have been watching me play music since I'm in high school, right. Can, can yeah. feel like, okay, well, I knew them in high school. We were choir together and then they did the cruise ships and then they did a voice and then they did this musical theater and now they're on the radio. Oh. You know, so (laughs) I got a message like that the other day from from a friend of mine who's a teacher. His name is Don Neptune. And he's sent me a a message on the Facebook to say, hey, I'm listening to you on the radio right now. I'm just very proud of you. And um, just being being able to receive that love, you know, from someone from 15 years ago, like that's that's wild. And I just I appreciate that. I surely do. <laughs> um, so, to, to, if I can, uh, oh, a little bit about the show itself. It's called the Groove Yard. Um, it's soul jazz. It's blues. It's grooves. Um, uh, there's there's trip hop elements. Um, it's really interesting. It's a really wonderful little soup of music that I'm really loving. Um, and it's also a, a bunch of artists that I haven't uh, spent as much time with as I should have. You know, you're you're Wayne Shorter and uh, the R.H. Factor. Ooh, great, great group. Um, Roy Hargrove, I think, is that trumpeter and he has uh, passed away in the last couple of years. Um, but just wonderful work with The Roots, with D'Angelo. Oh, like it, it's it's really it's exciting. It's an exciting time. Um, John Kessler says we get paid to be curious about the music. And I just, I love that sentiment. We get paid to be curious about the music. Um, so yeah, it's, it's my little weekly, uh, music appreciation moment and I love it. I love it dearly. So how much prep are you putting in for the show? Well, could you not just going in and grabbing a, Grabbing a, a an album, if you will, off off the off the rack and saying, "Oh, let's play track three. I mean, what's involved getting ready for a, a radio show like that for you? So one of the cool things about technology, um, Carol and I share a Spotify playlist that okay. I am constantly, you know, 
not every day, but three or four times a week, uh, populating with new blues, new grooves, new songs, right? Um, so, you know, say my friend Sidney Nash turns me on to uh, a, a trumpet player or a sax player. Okay, well, let's go through the catalog. Oh, this would be good for the groove yard. And then I just put that in the playlist. Um, okay. So partially it's that. It's having this constant musical conversation with Carol because um, she's programming the show. God bless her. Um, then, uh, usually midweek I will get, uh, uh, oh gosh, it's, uh, I'm trying to think about what to call it because, because it's kind of a script. Yeah. Um, about midweek, I get the script of what the songs are, what the, you know, three hours worth of music. And then I sit Mm -hmm. usually with my phone, but I need to get better at doing it on the computer. Just sit and go ahead and research these songs. Now, who originally wrote the song? Great. Uh, How many other covers exist of this song? Great. Who is also playing on this track and what are they known for? Great. Uh, When did this album come out? Great. So there's all kinds of questions, you know, to ask about every song. Um, It's very, I mean, it is time consuming. It takes a little while you know, a couple of hours to, to do that research. But then I get in front of the microphone and I'm comfortable because I've spent those hours uh, researching these right. bands. So I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, right. yeah. Carol is also a stickler for um, helping me pronounce folks names correctly. So putting the, putting the respect on other people's names, I think is very important. I spent about 20 years uh, pronouncing Susan Tedeschi's name very wrong. And I am very grateful that I have colleagues like Carol to, <laughs> to get me together on how to pronounce that fabulous woman's name. She's pretty amazing. Uh-huh. Isn't she? Oh yes. When you're not doing music, so that 30 minutes a week, it sounds like, because it sounds like music is your entire life. But no, in all seriousness, when you're not doing music, what else do you do? What else is going on in Tacoma that you're involved with? Okay. Okay. So I get to talk about some of my favorite charities uh, because I really believe in uh, community engagement because all of our, I love to tell this to kids when I work with kids. All of our favorite rap musicians come out of communities. And for a lot of them, you can say, okay, well, where's Snoop Dogg from? Long Beach is the place. Like it's in the lyrics, right? So mm-hmm. artists really, a lot of them survive on community engagement and community support. So if the community is going to support me, I have to support the community, you know? Um, so I've done some work with School of the Arts Tacoma. I worked with uh, some of their choral classes and songwriting classes, which is, it feels good. It's nice. Um, I went and talked to the kids at SAMI. Uh, that's the School of Math and uh, Technology. Um, uh-huh. I talked to that grouping of kids about um, how suicide has affected my family and really suicide prevention and talking about mental health care and, uh, 
how to recognize the signs in your friends, how to recognize the signs in yourself and what to do when you have those feelings. That's a big, scary topic for a lot of people, but not talking about things doesn't make them go away. Talking about things, bringing things into the light, you know, as James Baldwin tells us, nothing can be overcome until it is faced. Uh, So that's great. I love to do that. Um, Love to work with Feed 253. Now, Feed 253 is a company that's really strives to feed our unhoused neighbors. Started by this wonderful woman who just had a baby with her husband, um, Heidi Stormer. I met her when I was 15 years old. We were both playing music at the Shaka Bra. My goodness, for that open mic. Oh my gosh. Oh, yes. They used oh to have an open gosh. mic hosted by Christian Doyle, who is now uh, working down in Olympia with Zombie Orpheus Entertainment. Very cool. Very cool. Good. Theater and D&D personality. Um, so just th- that was such a rad time to be in Tacoma. Um, uh, I went to that open mic Ooh, religiously for years. <laughs> um, but yeah, Heidi Stormer, she started Feed 253. It started with her Geo Metro and five turkeys that she bought with her own money to take to Tacoma Rescue Mission. And last year at the 10-year uh, gala, which the high dogs played, they made 30 grand in a night. Um, they they take care of people. Um They've started doing once a month, or they did before the shutdown, um, once a month meals, community meals at the YMCA. Um, so just, they're an incredible group of people. I love to be around them. Um, I also work for another job of mine is working with Yes Youth Equity Stewardship. They are a national uh, company. And what they do is they use music and poetry to talk to kids about equity. Um, They talk to kids about how it is for them, what their feelings are about being in this world, what they feel about being an American, what they feel about being a student. Uh, It's also multi-generational. We love to bring teachers into the conversation. We love to bring elders into the conversation so that we're really having community conversations centering the future, you know, our children. Um, So I did some of that work before the shutdown with the Auburn school district, working specifically with fourth and fifth graders, the Auburn school district, they rolled out this program and they let the yes uh, company have every one of their fourth and fifth graders. Um, So just incredible to bring myself and my experience to an elementary school because I want these kids to understand that they are important and they are worth me. And one of the coolest, coolest things that happened to me in Washington, I was over in Yakima. I was working with Cody Beebe. Uh, This was right before I got pulled into some of the yes work, but I was doing school shows with Cody Beebe and talking to kids about uh, making good choices and making sure that they surround themselves with friends who want the best for them. And if they can't find that person that wants the best for them, they need to be that person that wants the best for them. And so the show is over and, uh, you know, this was the days before the shutdown. So there's a bunch of children running around touching my body and it's creepy. And, you know, (laughs) it's a, it's a sea of, uh, uh, mostly, um, 
uh, Latino, Latina, Latinx, Latine, however you say this, uh, uh, children, a smattering of white children and one black child. And I always get emotional about this always because it was just such a big deal. And I remember coming in this house and telling my mother about it. So I'm in Eastern Washington. I'm at the show. I'm singing. I'm working with Cody BB, and the show's over and the children are running around and the one black girl in the audience, she found me and ran right up to me and hugged me, like hugged my belly. And I'm looking down at this child and she's looking up at me and she says, you have hair like mine. And I, I, Like hashtag representation matters. Oh my God. Oh my God. What a tender moment. Like just here, here I am, here I am being the person I really needed to see when I was a child. And here is the future looking right at me saying, you are somebody I needed to see today. Just absolutely. (laughs) Uh, It's, it's wild. Um, but also working with kids and working in the community like reminds me of of just that of people that need to see me that need to see my work that need to see me show up in the world that need to see me saying you know these are my boundaries this is how i love and you're welcome to this love um so yeah <laughs> uh when i'm not doing That's- music i am uh, trying to support people that feed the community, trying to support the future, because I really think that, like, look, it's in the song. If it ain't no hope for the youth, it ain't no hope for the future. Like, I believe the truth is in rock and roll. I really do. Um, uh, and I actually, I think that's a Tupac line. God bless it. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm heavily, <laughs> heavily into the community. I also work with Rain City Rock Camp for Girls, um, uh, and also ladies rock camp. Uh, uh, I've been working with, with them for years and years and years, very supportive community grassroots group put together, um, uh, by the same people that have been running it for over 10 years. Um, they're part of the, there's a global, there's a global grouping of people that do rock camp for women. And girls and gender non-conforming okay. people. One of the first years I worked with them, we had we opened the day with a video chat with the people that were doing girls rock camp in Brooklyn. And so mm-hmm. the girls in Brooklyn sang their song to to us, and then we sang our camp song to them. And it was like I always wanted stuff like that in classrooms. I think it's so important for the youth to understand here you are and you live in the world, but there are other people out there doing cool stuff just like you and you need to meet them, you know? Um, so yeah, I, I <laughs> that's what I do when I'm not working with kids, when I'm not doing music, when I'm not like sitting in my house playing guitar and writing. Ooh, child, I love Batman cartoons. I have been on a kick lately getting into the HBO Max put out the 1992 Batman cartoon series. And that's the one I grew up watching. And that's the only voice of the Joker that I really, really like, if I'm honest. And uh, uh, so, yeah, yeah. A little bit of uh, going back through my nerdy history. God bless it. I also am a big (laughs) fan of those Marvel movies, man. I've seen every single one of them. And I'm also into watching WandaVision right now. It's very interesting to me. Um, 
I really, I love watching, I love watching characters that, that we as audience members can build relationships with. So when, so when wild things happen to them, we feel feelings about it. You know, uh, I also, a uh, big fan of Watchmen as a series. Oh, I have not watched that. It looked intriguing, but I didn't it's watch so it. Good. <laughs> it's good. Okay. All right. I'll, 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 okay. All I just right. did a rewatch. I watched it. And then also uh, Lovecraft Country. Ooh. Ooh. I don't even like scary movies. And I watched all of that. I watched, I watched all. <laughs> um, telling stories, uh, especially allowing right now the black community in particular to tell stories about our past that we haven't been able to tell before. Um, Mm -hmm. so especially in Watchmen, but also a little bit in Lovecraft, uh, uh, country, they talk a little bit about the Tulsa massacre, uh, in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I really encourage everybody to do some reading about that. It's one of the only times that America has bombed America. Uh, yes, yes. Uh, deep and sordid history, uh, of, of, uh, the violence wrought upon black Americans just trying to mind their business. Um, also I am a big fan of podcasts. I follow a lot of podcasts. My favorites are the nod, the read. Um, I like am obsessed with Robert Evans, who is a, uh, a journalist, um, he's been in, in Syria and Afghanistan and such, um, but also was on the ground in Portland during, uh, the, the uprisings over, over this last summer. Um, his show is called behind the bastards. It's about the worst people in history. Um, he did a series, a six part called behind the police, where he talks about how we got to our current militarized police state and the particular police unions involved in that. Uh, and then he also talks about uh, behind the insurrection is the new series where he talks about the various insurrections in history and how we might better uh, equip ourselves to deal with the the recent insurrection we had on January 6th. I'm a big fan of study. Study prevents me from worrying, right? So I can worry about what has happened or I can study the past and see what the best choices would be, right? So find the right information mm-hmm. so that you can make all the right choices. <laughs> That's outstanding. <laughs> Wow. Okay. So this has been awesome. Radical. I, I I really am grateful for your time, but before Mm -hmm. we go, why don't you take a moment and tell people where they can find you Mm -hmm. online? Yeah. So basically I'm Stephanie Ann Johnson on, on most of my socials. Um, Stephanie S T E P H A N I E space and A N N E. And Johnson, how everybody spell that, J-O-H-N-S-O-N, okay? All one word, lowercase. Uh, you can find me there on Instagram. I'm also on Twitter, but but uh, please don't follow me on Twitter. I don't be saying nothing on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook, <laughs> Stephanie Ann Johnson, A-N-N-E. Um, I post a lot about Black history during Black History Month because it is my pleasure, my joy, to do so. So if you choose to follow me, uh, just know that there's going to be a lot about that unapologetically pro-black in the house. 
you can also find me on Patreon. Search Stephanie Ann Johnson. And with an E, don't forget it. Um, uh, there are three different levels of sponsorship. Um, at the highest level, you're going to get videos that nobody else is going to see. You're going to get vocal tracks that nobody else is going to see. You're going to get to hear me talk about the songwriting process for so many of these songs. Um, and hear me talk a little bit more about my life. Also, some of my poetry will be coming out here soon as well, trying to find some oh. visual artists to work with so that we can make broadsides and such things. Uh, so, yes, Very find cool. me on the Facebook, Stephanie Ann Johnson. Find me on the Instagram, Stephanie Ann Johnson. Please support me on the Patreon, Stephanie Ann Johnson. If you choose to buy my music, please do so from bandcamp.com. And again, there. Stephanie Ann Johnson. Uh, uh, I'm noticing a trend. <laughs> it, it, listen, it is my government name, and and uh, I uh, I I choose to be an artist in the world with my government name because Stephanie is the name that my mom chose for me, and I love my mom, and I really do think that she sees me uh, and has chosen to see me as I am for the length of our relationship, which I'm very grateful for. Not everybody has that relationship with their mother. And then the second thing, Anne is my grandmother's sister on Anne. And so I, I love those two names together. They make, they make so much sense to me. Um, yeah. They speak about my past and about people who love me. So. That's, one, that's oh, wonderful. Yes. <laughs> um we're going to make it easy for people. We'll put the links in the show notes so people can click on a link to find you. We'll put all those it. there. I love but, it. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I'll let you have the last word. You can take okay. it away. The last one I'm going to just say, I have so much gratitude to you for having me on today. I have gratitude for all of the listeners. I'm choosing to bless my body right now and bless your body and the body of your affairs, the work that you do. I hope that you have a wonderful day. I hope that your life shows you something unbelievably beautiful this day. Go forth and enjoy. Thank you. Thank you. Join us next time for another episode of the Exploring Washington State podcast.